Hi and welcome to the Mount Hamilton Baptist Church podcast. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. For more information, go to mhbc.ca. This morning's scripture reading is found in John chapter 21, uh, verses 15 to 19. Uh, That can be found on page 881 in your church Bibles. Uh, And if you're using an app, uh, I'll be using reading from the NIV. So that's John chapter 21, verses 15 to 19. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know I love you. You know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. When you are, <clears throat> but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Thank you, Bruce. A number of years ago, I was sitting in the student center at the University of Guelph. That's where I did my undergrad. Maybe some of you have been there. It has a large courtyard on the first floor, and you can watch this courtyard from the second floor. And myself and several friends were eating at a restaurant on the second floor, looking out the windows onto the courtyard, when we noticed that there was a young woman crying. And she was sitting by herself, kind of in this little corner, and was clearly upset. And we talked about this. We said, oh, look at that woman. I wonder what's wrong. You know, like you would. And after a moment, one of my friends excused herself, said she was going to the washroom. But a few minutes later, we looked and we said, hey, hey, there's our friend. And she had gone down to this woman, and she sat with her, and we watched as she sat with this person that was a stranger, tapped her on the shoulder, the woman turned, and they talked, and we saw them talk for a while, and we saw them hug. And the thing was, this wasn't surprising to us at all, because those of us who knew this friend, we were like, of course, that's where she went, right? Maybe you've got a friend like that, so kind and so compassionate. We should have realized that if she saw someone alone and upset, that she went to be with them. And now, as I look back on that story, I also think to myself, well, now I see that God had equipped her to be a pastor. Now, let me clarify what I mean by the word pastor, because we've been talking about ordaining Leslie to be a pastor and all those things. If you've been here, you will know that we are talking about how God has made us all different in the body and has given us different types of gifts. Let me read a passage of scripture to you from the book of Ephesians that we've studied a fair bit together. And it says, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. So we've been talking about how God has made this body and has equipped people in different ways. But let me remind you what each of those five things mean. And I actually have 
a helpful little activity using your hand. So this is, this is one, if you want to remember it, that uh, you can, uh, a number of people use. So apostles is, our, is the thumb, and the thumb is that guiding piece of your hand. Apostles lay the groundwork. They govern. They're often starters. The um, prophets guide. This is our pointer finger. They say, here's where we should, what we should do. We should look to God. We should look to God's word. They guide us. Sorry, evangelists, you're the middle finger, but we're going to be <laughs> thinking about it like this. Work with me here. And this finger, it gathers. Evangelists gather. They invite people in. They tell people about God. Pastors are on this finger that often, uh, those of us who are married often wear a wedding band there, and this finger reminds us of covenant and love. Pastors guard, and teachers on this pinky finger, they ground, and teachers are the ones that bring us back to God's word and ground us in truth. Today, we're going to talk about pastors. Now, as I said, I'm not talking about pastors in terms of the modern word, which we use usually synonymous with ministers, right? People have a job like me. They're paid to help organize, run, lead, pastor the church. In uh, the original Greek, that was for anyone here last night, uh, uh, the word for pastor is poimen, and it's the same word that is used for shepherd or herdsman. So whenever we say pastor, when it says here he's given some of you to be pastors, you could say it's been given some of you to be shepherds, okay? And lots of you are called to be shepherds, whether or not you have a paid job like Leslie and Sam and I do up here. Shepherds. Think about what shepherds did. I know we don't have a lot of shepherds in our world, and well, we don't have any in our context around here really anymore, do we? But shepherds were people that looked after a flock of sheep. And their jobs as shepherds were to guide sheep to where they could get food, where they could get water, so make sure they were fed, make sure they were physically looked after, protect them from attackers, from wild animals, from robbers. Shepherds would then bring them to safe places to rest at night. Shepherds feed the flock. And so we're the flock. We're like the sheep, right? And so literally many shepherds that you know, and we're going to use the word pastors and shepherds synonymously, they guard these pastors' feed us. Often they're literally the people that bring you a casserole after you've had a surgery. They quite literally feed you. They nurture the flock. They notice when people are hurting. They reach out to people. They make sure their souls are doing well. And they protect the flock. They want to keep people safe. They want to notice what's going on and make sure that we are cared for properly. That's what the gift of pastoring does. And today what I'm going to do is we're going to be looking at each of these five over the next few weeks and we're going to be digging into them in our pods. My invitation is for you to think about where you fall in these gifts. My invitation for you is to think of where others fall and how it means to build the body all together and we're God maybe also challenging you to step out of your gifts to other things as well and what we can learn in that way as we build this body of Christ. And as we think about what a pastor is in this context, one of the examples we can look to, obviously, is the example of Jesus, the good shepherd. Jesus has all five of these things. And it says that Jesus gives them to us, and then he spread them out among us, but we can look to Jesus as examples for all of them. And there's so many great examples of Jesus being a pastor, being a shepherd. Let me read you a number. In Matthew 9, it says, When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, and he blessed them. I'm sorry, because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. 
He had compassion. That's a pastor. In Matthew 19, it says, Then people brought little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples rebuked them. And Jesus said, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. That's what pastors do. They say, Who's left out? Bring them in. Bring them in. Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. And as he approached the gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her, and when the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, don't cry. And we love that. Can't you just see Jesus seeing someone at the student center of the University of Guelph and going down to meet them? Now, I like this one, too. This is when his disciples have been very busy, and it says, Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to his disciples, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Do you know pastors like that? You go have a sit down. You need to rest. And in Luke 13, Jesus looked out over the city of Jerusalem, and he said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. You who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you. How often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. Isn't that a beautiful image of a shepherd? A mother hen gathering everybody in. Jesus is our good shepherd and we see what pastoring can look like, that gift of pastoring in his life. That he drew people in, he wanted to include people, he loved people, he built relationships with them, he cared about their physical needs, he healed them, he met them in their place of pain. But what's interesting is what he says to one of his disciples when he knows he's going back to heaven. And the passage that Bruce read for us happens after Jesus has been on earth, he's done all these things, he's died, he's been resurrected. And he is now with his disciples, and he has revealed himself to him as a resurrected God. And he's walking with a man named Peter. And Peter is one of his disciples. And Peter often stuck his foot in his mouth. And just a few days before, Peter had told Jesus he would never, ever deny him. He would be with him no matter what. Some of you will know the story that, in fact, Peter had failed on that pretty miserably. That of the night Jesus died, he had said three times he didn't know Jesus at all. So maybe you can imagine how Peter had felt after Jesus died when he realized the last thing he had done was let him down. Maybe you had someone die in your life and you didn't have time to heal a broken relationship. But Peter has this chance. And now he sees that Jesus is alive again and Jesus walks with him and the heading says he reinstates Peter, and as he walks with him, he says to him, he says three times, he first by saying, Peter, do you love me? Peter says, I do. He says, feed my lambs. He says again, do you love me? Jesus, he says, I do. He says, take care of my sheep. Do you love me? He says, you know I love you. He says, feed my sheep. And so I love this as he's going back to heaven. He knows he's going to ascend soon. He says to this disciple, Look after my sheep. Look after them. Such a pastor, such a shepherd. And we see in the scripture people who are gifted with this gift of pastoring, shepherding. One of those is a man named Timothy. So if you go through the Bible, the Bible is a book of many smaller books. 
And some of those books are letters. And there are two letters named 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy. And Timothy was uh, a man that was younger than a man named Paul. Paul was an apostle, very much an apostle. And he went around starting churches all over the ancient world. And what we know is that he left Timothy in charge of one of those churches. Because what pastors do, they settle things in. Apostles pioneer, they get it started, and then the pastors care for it as it moves forward. And so Timothy was left in charge of one of these churches. Because now Paul, he's an apostle, he's gone, he's gone on, right? He's like, I'm ready to do a new thing for God. And Timothy stays as the pastor of the church. And although I don't have time to go into all the lessons in Timothy, even if you just went to 1 Timothy and you looked through the headings of that book, you get such a sense of what pastoring was about. So some of these headings of the chapter, chapter 2 says, Instructions on Worship. And he talks to Timothy about how to keep a worship service honoring to God and to keep peace in that. In chapter 3, it says, Overseers and Deacons. And he tells Timothy who should be leaders in the church. Chapter 4 is about false teaching. And he talks about protecting the sheep from false teachers. Chapter 5 gives instructions on how to care for widows and elders and all these different things we need to do. And there's a whole section about, you know, here's how you should look after the widows. And, of course, this had the time if you were a widow, there was no pensions, nothing like that. And so he's saying, here's how you're going to look after the people that are hurting most and need your care. This is what a pastor does. They look after the church. They look after those in need. They protect the flock. And in the end of the letter, in chapter 6, verse 20, he says, Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to your care. Guard what has been entrusted to your care. That's a pastor. Now, here at Mount Hamilton, I know not all of you will know all these names, but we have amazing examples of pastors in our midst. And again, I'm not talking about those we pay. I couldn't help but think this week of a woman many of us will remember who died a few years ago named Muriel Wolanski. She had the most amazing gift of pastoring. She actually spent most of her career as a nurse, very consistent with shepherds. <laughs> and my memory of Muriel was when I was pregnant, I was very sick, and she came and looked after me every day. And when I needed to go, she would come and check on me. And at one point when I needed to go to hospital, and I was very, very ill, she went into the hospital, and she went to the, uh, I remember the triage nurse, I was so sick, I was throwing up so much, I was dehydrated, I was very sick. And she went and she said, this woman needs a bed. She cannot wait in the ER. And she got me a bed, my friends. <laughs> and she stayed with me, and she looked after me when she died there was a family from our church that came here that hardly ever came to church. And I had no idea she did this. The mom had a chronic illness. She had lupus. And it was very hard for her. And those are often people that get overlooked, right? Because when it's all the time. And they said she brought us meals all the time. Muriel never forgot us. What a shepherd. That's a shepherd. But even now, I think of examples of this as I was thinking of this sermon this week. Uh, for lunch on, on Tuesday, Leslie takes out this beautiful sandwich. She says, you know where the sandwich came from? I had a meeting last night to prepare for our hampers, and Corey came in and she said, I know that you've been really tired and sick and you often forget to eat, so I made you supper. That's a pastor. Or Michaela, who runs our care team, who won a couple years ago, I was getting ready for my husband's 40th birthday, and I was hosting a party. And she knew I was hosting this party. And about 4 o'clock, as I'm up to my elbows in tacos, she, I get this phone call from Michaela, and she says, I'm on my way to the grocery store, and I know you have a party tonight. I just wondered if there's anything you need me to pick up. Bless. Am I right? That is a pastor. Do you see it? What a shepherd. 
So let me start by saying that some of you are probably thinking, I think I might have the gift of shepherding. This is starting, this is starting to sound like me. Well, let me give you some other hints. Here's some tips on how you might be able to recognize it. I'm sorry, this is a little tiny. Hopefully you can see it. You may have been equipped. God may have made you a pastor if you take joy in caring for others. If when you see someone hurting, you want to reach out. If people often come to you for encouragement and support. If you feel kind of responsible for other people's well-being. You know, you watch the news and you think, oh man, i got to do something about that. When you notice when people have been away from church. If you often think, but how would so-and-so feel about that, right? You're in a situation, you're like, well, what about this person? And often if you're in careers like social work, medicine, personal support, you're a personal support worker, again, you're a counselor, you're a therapist, you're a doctor, you're a nurse. These things often come out in those fields. And so if you see this and you think, I have a couple of those, you may be a pastor. If you're like, I have all of those, there's a good chance this is how God's made you. And it's a wonderful thing. Now, how you can use those gifts here at Mount Hamilton are lots of ways. We have a care team. Michaela, Michaela Safriz, runs the care team. That's the woman who was like, do you want anything at the store when I go? <laughs> uh, the care team helps make meals, visit people when they're ill. That's a great place to serve. Our welcome team is a group that helps make meals for new people at the church. And we also hope to get in the habit of being intentional about looking out for people when they're away and welcoming new people. So if you're someone that loves doing that, this is a great fit for you. People who have the gift of pastoring often fit in really well helping with Sunday school or youth group. Not maybe because they love the teaching part, but because they love looking after the souls and lives of younger people in our church. And it brings them joy to get to know them and watch them grow up. Mentoring. You might say, I'm going to reach out to someone one-on-one. Other things that you may do are make relationship connections. So if you have the gift of pastoring, you're like, I can't do some of those things right now. I can't really commit to a big group. You may say, I'm very good, though, at reaching out to one person for coffee or staying after church on Sunday and greeting people and saying hello. Being greeter, that's another good pastor one. And, of course, pastors can pray for each other. Every time you reach out or send someone a message or a card or encourage them or call them, you're living into that gift. And I want to tell you that as pastors, as shepherds, you have a really important role in our world and you have a really important role in the body of Christ. We need you. We need you to look out for people. We need you to know some people are gone. We need you to help look after people's hearts and bodies and souls. We need you so desperately because the ministers, as opposed to the pastors, we cannot do it all. There's too many of you. Right? We need other people doing that. And sometimes we just kind of put that box into that's what the pastor, the paid pastor does. But we need all the shepherds to do it. And the reality is a church where shepherds aren't doing that, maybe where there aren't shepherds or they haven't been empowered to use their gifts or they're not wanting to use their gifts, is one that can feel cold. It's one that we say has a big back door. People come and maybe it feels great at first and they really like the teaching and they really like the music, but then they say something happened to me and no one seemed to care or I never felt very welcomed or I never felt like I belonged. That's why we need our shepherds. Shepherds are really important in the body. But as, as we do each of these sermons and we talk about these different gifts, I also want to talk kind of to our shepherds and also uh, to those who may not be shepherds. And I want to acknowledge what can be really hard about being a shepherd. So if you're like, this is my gift, this is something that I see, Let's also name some of the things that can be hard about that and what God may have for you. And Leslie did a beautiful job of creating this fabulous handout. So it was in your bulletin. If you didn't get one, there are more at the back you can get later. If you're saying, like, this isn't really me, I don't think I'm the shepherd pastoring gift, just listen to how you might understand others in your life 
Because I'm sure you're sitting there going, I don't have that, but I certainly now can think of someone that does, right? Even if they're not in the church. And you can see maybe some of the things that challenge them. So let's just see if you're going to be like, preach, sister, I feel you, as you, uh, you don't have to actually say any of those words, but you might feel it. <laughs> feel free if you want. So something that can happen to pastors, people with the gift of shepherding, feel free to nod, is you can sometimes get to feeling like you're being taken advantage of. Any of you ever have that happen? And you think, oh, I give and give, and I tried to help this person, and they just kept asking for more, and they kept asking for more until you feel like you've been taken advantage of. That's a very real challenge for pastors. So what we invite you to do, and again, on the handout, there's more detail, is to give yourself the gift of setting your limits. God has not asked you to do it all. Another thing that you can do, this is very similar to this, is that shepherds I talk to often feel guilty, right? Oh, I know that person is in hospital and I didn't get to see them because I was so busy, like my friend was going through this and my mom was going through this, but I really, it's really on my to-do list to do this as well and I feel really bad that I didn't help this person. Any of you been there? Because you care, you care, so you can feel guilty. There's a beautiful story in Scripture. It's a subtle story. It's the beginning of Mark. And it says that Jesus was all this one day, he was at his uh, disciples, actually Peter, it says he was at Peter's mother-in-law and he healed her. And all these people were bringing people to heal Jesus. And it says the next morning he got up early to pray. And when he's, as he's praying, it says the disciples come and find him. And they say, Jesus, many people are looking for you. And do you know what Jesus says? Let's go to the next town. He's Because he's like, I need, God has me somewhere else. But you know what? That guilt could have made him go, oh gosh, here I go. I got to go back. I got to go back. But he had a mission. And so if Jesus can say, that's not my mission right now, you can too, my friends. <laughs> Pastors often get burnt out because they do so much. Burnt out sometimes emotionally, sometimes physically. And so my invitation there, if that's a struggle with you, is to learn to observe the rhythms of life. And what I mean by rhythms are daily rhythms of letting yourself have a break each day to be with God. Letting yourself take a Sabbath each week, a day with God. Taking your vacations and actually letting them be a time of rest. Have rhythms of life. Now, these are the ones that can kind of happen to you that can be difficult on you personally. Um, and, but there's that, you know, we sense they're all kind of connected to the sense of being overwhelmed. But there's other things that I see can be hard for pastors. And one thing is that pastors can get frustrated with bureaucracy. Do you know what I mean? Pastors are the one that come on the day we're building the hampers and go, I just thought of someone that could really use a hamper, so if you could just like squeeze one more person in, that'd be really great. And the person's like, we can't, that's crazy. And they're like, what do you mean? It's just one person, right? And you get frustrated. A number of years ago, I was at, uh, we were part of this group of churches in the city called True City, and they had a gathering of, of all the True City boards. It was wonderful, and we were integrated in amongst our different boards, and someone was coming to train us as board members. And they gave this scenario that they invited us to talk about at our tables. And this woman shared the scenario. She said, this week, you know, your board meeting's Tuesday, and a woman shows up at the board meeting really angry, and she says, did you know that, she made up a name, let's say, Carl fell this week on the ice, and you all need to do something to make sure the ice is better salted, and something needs to be done about this. And she says, discuss this at your tables. So we discuss, and then we gather together, and all these board people, which boards tend to be full of apostles, they very start pragmatically saying, well, you know, the first thing to address is you can't just have someone show up at a board meeting and start yelling at people. 
right? They need, to, they, need to send in, they need to let us know they want other minutes. And so we're all having this discussion, and then this dear woman who I know says, see if you can tell her gift. She goes, what is wrong with all of you? Can't someone just go out and put some ice on the flipping ice, like some salt on the flipping ice? Like the man fell. That's a shepherd, right? And she's like, oh, why is there a system? Someone just put salt on the ice. But it's not always that simple, is it, in a big church? And so sometimes if you're a pastor, you're going to get frustrated. And in a similar way, these are actually very similar. And because you're a pastor, sometimes you're going to struggle with focusing on the one instead of the whole. Now, I want, you to tell, I want to say that this is one of my gifts, so I totally get all this. You know, there's no judgment in any of these. Let me give you another example. Because you love that one person so much, it can be hard to see the whole picture. When I was working as a youth pastor, I think I've uh, shared before that I was a youth pastor for a couple years in a church. When I got to that church, I discovered that the youth group ran from grade 5 to grade 12. Yes, does anyone else think that's odd? That's quite the unusual age spread for youth group. Well, as I dug into I learned what had happened. About three years before, there'd been a girl in grade 5, and this was a big church. There was like 20 kids in each grade. And this girl had been going through a really hard time. Her parents were newly divorced, and she was struggling a lot. And some well-meaning person said, you know what would be really good for her if she could go to youth group? And they changed the age down three years so she could go. And youth group for the next three years was grades 5 to 12, and none of the high schoolers would go anymore because guess what? In grade 10, you don't want to hang out with the grade 5. And so it was such good intentions because this woman loved this girl. But it mightn't have been best for the whole picture. And so if this is something we struggle with as pastors, and I do, we see the one, we see the bureaucracy, is to stop and invite ourselves to think of the big picture and not see those doing that as villains, but to remember that that's a way of shepherding too. Looking after everyone and making sure the system good is good allows us to shepherd well and actually allows you probably to set some of those boundaries too. And another thing that can happen if you have the gift of pastoring is sometimes you can feel frustrated. And I think this is true of all our gifts. But you can wonder why other people just don't do it. I don't get it. You notice they weren't in church. Just phone them. How hard is it just to phone them? I don't get it. You knew they were grieving. Why couldn't you just send them a card? It's not difficult. And one of the lessons I've learned in my life is to realize, actually, for some people it is. And to remember that you are gifted, that actually what is common sense to you, and I'm going to say this a lot, is your gift to the world. And so it may not be as natural for others. And so you want to make some space for that. Now let me speak as well to our non-pastors, to those who are like, that's not my gift. And I'm saying this, and you're thinking, yeah, I don't struggle with any of those things. That doesn't sound like me at all. What does God invite for us in this loving body of Christ? And on this next slide, you'll see some of those invitations for you. Loving our pastors. Our pastors deserve to be loved. Don't we love our shepherds and our pastors? I'll say shepherds again. One of the things that we can do is appreciate their gifts. We can thank them. We can value the voice that they bring. Sometimes we don't want to do that. Sometimes we'll be frustrated. So to use that example of, you know, pastors will think of the one. Imagine a a scenario, and and lots of these versions of this happen in churches. Uh, Someone really wants to teach Sunday school. I really want to teach Sunday school. I'm really excited. And after a couple weeks, it's really obvious that they are really bad at teaching Sunday school. 
they are just awful at it. And so the Sunday school committee gathers and someone says, well, they're just no good at it. We got to tell them to step down. And that makes perfect sense to them. They're no good. Someone tell them to step down. But you know what the shepherd in the room says? Oh, we got to be nice about it. Maybe we could find them a different role. And then maybe if you're evangelist, you're like, well, like, let's just step it up, right? we got to be concerned about new people coming to the church. Why are you making this so complicated? But we need the shepherd's voice that says, let's think of their heart and let's think of their body and let's think of how this feels to them. And we need to make time for that. We need to make space for that and appreciate that voice they're bringing. Sometimes we need to let our pastors off the hook. And I mean this personally. You have people that give and give and give and give to you. And when you need something done, you know they're the ones you can ask right? And sometimes you just need to say, you don't need to care for me today. Let me just give you a break. (laughs) Let me give you grace. We also need to care for our pastors. And perhaps you've seen it, and I've seen it, that some of the people who care best for others when they go through a hard time don't always have the same things done for them, right? And so we see they do so much, so much, so much for others, and then when they're in something, it doesn't seem like we meet them in the same way. And so when we have that opportunity to give that back to them, we should. And I think most importantly, we can learn from them. I read that story of Jesus talking to Peter, and he says, Peter, feed my lambs. I know some of you will know a bit about Peter. because If you do, you, like me, will find it probably the most hilarious choice for Peter, for God, for Jesus to pick Peter to be like, would you feed my lambs? Peter was abrupt and often put his foot in his mouth, and I think probably was most gifted as an apostle. He wasn't the gentle presence. I I don't know why he didn't say this to John, who was known as, you know, the loving apostle. He picks Peter, who I would absolutely say we do not see in Scripture, is ever listed as having the gift of shepherding. And in fact, when you read different things and it gives examples from Scripture to shepherds, Peter ain't there. But yet Jesus says, Peter, feed my lamb. Now, I want to say that I think it is absolutely essential, and one of our goals in this series is that we all learn to serve where our gifts lie. I believe we have everything we need in this church if we are serving in our giftedness to do exactly what God has called us to do. And sometimes we do a whole lot of, oh, there's no one else to do it, so I'll step in, or please fill in this role, and we just kind of just step into places that don't fit with us. My invitation is to really see where God has called you And I believe God will give us all we need. But it doesn't let us off the hook from doing things that aren't quite in our giftedness. And while it may mean that if you don't have the gift of pastoring, you don't have to join the care team, you don't have to join the welcome team, that might not be the best fit for you, but you still need to love and shepherd others. And if you don't know how to do that, learn from our pastors, right? They'll show you. So if you have someone in your life and you're like, their mother just died, I have no idea how to be there for someone who's lost someone. A shepherd will tell you. They'll give you ideas. If you're like, I don't know how to welcome new people to church, or, you know, that's really uncomfortable for me, follow them on a Sunday morning. Go along with them. Ask them what they would do. See what they have, because we are still called to reach out for those people. Our shepherds are so important in our body. The shepherds are our hearts that love, and they're our hands that care for us, And there are shoulders that we cry on. But our shepherds need us to be like strong legs and strong necks to help hold them up when they need it too. We love you, shepherds, very much. And we hope that you will learn to also look after yourself as you look after us. 
And I hope that those of us aren't shepherds can learn from our shepherds and learn to appreciate the voice and the place that they have in our church. I hope that we can continue to be a body uh, where all of us are using our gifts as God has made us. Let's pray. God, we thank you for our shepherds. Thank you for the example you give us of a good shepherd. Bless our shepherds today and help us learn from them, those of us who aren't. Amen.